Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Recording from you live on Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. Uh, here from Los Altos, Grace, welcome to episode two from Bob's office. The next voice you hear belongs to an incredible man who Jake and I have known for almost two years. He works here at the church as the, what I like to call, young families pastor. He's passionate about his family, his faith, and every person he encounters, and his alter ego is the most beloved character at camp. He is the gracious individual who allows us to record from Bob's office, from his office, the one and only Bob Mabry. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Well, hola and aloha from my office. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, we're just going to tell a couple stories really quick. I had the opportunity to attend two more weddings this weekend after attending two the previous weekend. The first one was for my friend Tim, and it was up in L.A., right next to Dodger Stadium. There's like a river gardens there. And it was a beautiful setting, and I knew exactly two other people there, the person I drove with and one of the uh, groomsmen. And the table we sat at, these are the best parts of like what I'm going to share about the, wedding. the table we sat at, was me, my friend Nick, the other guy I knew, whose name is also Nick, Rachel, another guy named Nick, a girl named Nicole, and a girl named Nikki. That was the entirety of our, that wasn't the entirety, there were three or four more people to my wow, life. Wow, that's a lot, yeah, of, it was a lot of Nicks. It was, it was pretty confusing, because at one point, one of the guys had a flask, and people would ask him, they'd go, Nick, can I get a little more of that? And the other two Nicks would all respond like, what? And But they wouldn't have anything because they weren't involved in that situation. They were the wrong Nick. Yeah, they were the wrong Nick. They had That's, to do that on purpose. I, I'm assuming Tim at some point when they, you know, when they go over and they're like talking to the tables and stuff, he came over and he jokingly said that it was on purpose, but I'm pretty sure it was on purpose to put all of those people at the same table. But it was really entertaining. <laughs> but then the second wedding was for my friends Dan and Kelsey, who I know from playing Ultimate with. And the wedding was up at a polo field complex in Santa Barbara. So it's just wide open expanses of grass and it's beautiful. Like it's not like super picturesque, but it's like, it's just a cool open area. And the best, it was one of the best weddings I've ever been to because it really genuinely felt like a bunch of friends hanging out and two of our friends happened to be celebrating this awesome thing and we're like celebrating it with them. It wasn't like a prim and proper, like, people are fun. We all have to be quiet and just take in the ceremony that's happening and, like, react properly. Like, the guy, the officiant who was doing the wedding gets up there and the first thing he says is, I've never done this before, so this is going to be a party. <laughs> and just the whole time, it was just, it was, it wasn't unscripted. It was scripted-ish. But just the way he was telling the story of Dan and Kelsey and how Dan and Kelsey were interacting and Dan was crying the whole time and Kelsey was crying and the vows were just like beautiful conversations with each other. Like it wasn't this like, it was, it was all awesome. And then even the toasts were just great. They were perfect. They were each relatively short, told really good, funny stories and everyone just had a great time and the food was phenomenal. It was a huge grill and they cooked chicken and tri-tip and there was... All this other stuff. It was great. It was it was a fantastic wedding. So Making me hungry time. right now. I know. I yeah, I forgot to eat breakfast. <laughs> Luckily, I had two bowls of frosted mini wheats a couple <laughs> hours ago, so that's holding me over pretty good. Um, 
so yeah, I just I had a great time at the weddings and other stuff. What did you guys do this weekend? Excellent. Any, any highlights? Well, Saturday we had a big event. We had uh, beach day for for church and school, and so we had tons of kids show up. And my wife Tara, and I, and Scott Sousa, and Scott Reese all were out there pushing kids into waves and had a lot. Of, I I lost count after about ten, but a lot of kids just super stoked to. Get out there, and nobody got stung by a stingray. That was really good. <laughs> that is a win. Yes. That is a win. And uh, today is uh, my son's birthday. Shout out to Zach. Happy birthday. Hey. And so for his birthday, we bought him a, uh, a wetsuit and a new surfboard. And we were in TK's Frog House in Newport Beach. And uh, while we were in there, TK told us he's shutting the lights off. And uh, all his workers hid behind the counter, and they locked the door because a sales rep was coming. <laughs> and so then you hear a knock on the knock on the door, and uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and so the sales rep left, and then came back, and they turned the lights back on and just pretended like nothing happened. So that was brilliant, really fun. <laughs> I always enjoy things like that. <laughs> Spur of the moment, fun. That's. It's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this <laughs> weekend was pretty bad. Um, I I wrote a, a four-page, or it ended up being five. Uh, either way, I wrote a paper that it was not fun to write. But I did it, and I turned it in. So here we go. Hey, being a good student. Good job. And then um, it was a great week. Not great week. It was a great weekend for most sports, and it was very entertaining because... Sunday was our first sports equinox, which is the four it major... It doesn't count. It counts. The it four major count. sports playing in one day. Basketball, baseball, hockey, and football all in one day. <laughs> Here's why that doesn't count. Preseason doesn't count. Um, You know, it might That's be the only a, time we ever Preseason basketball doesn't count. The basketball season is going to start at end of October, and we will have it. We will have an, a real all four playing meaningful games on the same day. Later in the month, it has not happened yet. Cannot confirm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that. All right, so the first grade game over the weekend, well, it wasn't the first game, but it's it also sounded like you said about. the first grade game. No, yeah, the first grade game. I wouldn't be able to watch first graders play sports. That's a little too random, and everyone just attack the same thing at the same moment, and yes. that's <laughs> that hurts my head to watch that. Yeah. Um, no, the first game we're going to talk about is near and dear to Jake's heart, the Cowboys and the Packers game, which going in seemed like a pretty even matchup. Who won that game? Uh, the Green Bay Packers did. Oh. <laughs> you said that much more subdued than I think both of us were expecting. Um, I don't want to yell into the listeners' ears. <laughs> um, but yes, the Green Bay Packers have once again had a marvelous victory. Jake's the- wearing a cheese head on his hat. Um, there's right a now. video... Going, and we can totally see that I am not actually oh. wearing one. <laughs> in his heart, he is. I yeah. have one at home in my closet. I don't wear it because it's like 15 pounds. <laughs> not pure cheese, which I thought it might have been, oh. but it was not. Um, yeah, so we won a great game where we started off very strong and dominant. And then we kind of went, you know what? Let's not be strong and dominant for a bit. And then we came back and we're like, hey, let's do it again. And we won the game. 
Uh, yeah, they came out to a pretty big lead early, and then the Cowboys started putting some stuff together and started to make a go of it, and then Dak Prescott fumbled. You know, and Dak Prescott, was, was once again, um, either know, way, Dak Prescott messed up, which I'm not surprised. Ouch. Um, one big takeaway that I, I got from it was that um, the refs need to uh, be a little more chill about roughing the passer because our guy literally touched a guy's helmet and the entire internet exploded because everyone was like, no, that's just a dumb call. That that's because you're not allowed to hit a quarterback in the head. You know, they a hit lot him of in quarterbacks the head. get hit that's in the just... head, and you don't ruin a game for it. It wasn't ruined. They scored a touchdown on that drive, <laughs> that... which they shouldn't have had. Okay. So If you hit a quarterback in the head, it's a penalty. It's just clear, clear rules. I would love to be – every time I get tapped in the head by some foreign object, I would love to get a <laughs> – a bonus. It was a hand that was trying to hit him. Mm. Like that's you know that's how that works. It wasn't just some random foreign object. There's a lot of other calls that could have been called instead of that. I, it was. If you would hear some Cowboys fans tell it, the Packers were getting a lot well, of calls to go their way, and I didn't fully disagree while they were happening. You know, the, um, who won the game? Won the game, and hopefully we'll see him in the playoffs. And uh, what does that make Aaron Rodgers' record in AT&T Stadium? I believe it is 3-0 for normal season, but I, I saw another stat where it said 5-0, which I'm not sure if that one was correct. Yeah, he's 5-0 overall. So does the 5-0, does that include the two playoff wins there? Yeah. Okay, so 3-0 regular season and two wins, one in the uh, – was it the – no, it was not the championship game. I don't know. It was a Super Bowl that they won at in AT&T Stadium. Though. Makes sense. So according to the NFL.com power rankings, the Packers are now fifth overall. I was going to talk good. about the top ten, but you kind of skipped ahead of me. Oh, sorry. Were you going to do something? Before <laughs> I was going to read off the top ten, and then you're just like, yeah, let's just oh. talk about it now. Um, so, <laughs> so the top ten right now is New England, the New England Patriots, who are a astonishingly 5-0 and team. The only undefeated – nope, they're not the only undefeated team. Nope. Um, I'll get there. Uh <laughs> The undefeated New England Patriots. Number two, the New Orleans Saints. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Number four, San Francisco 49ers. And number five, the Green Bay Packers. Number six, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number seven, the Seattle Seahawks. Number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. Number nine, the Los Angeles Rams. And number 10, the Buffalo Bills. So as you... I was scrolling along as you read that. And as it got to the Rams, in my head, I still said St. Louis in my head. Did I? Yeah. No, you said Los Angeles. Okay, good. You saying Los Angeles made me go, oh, wow. I still need to fix what I think in my head. Um, that sound you heard after the Chiefs were mentioned was Bob cheering. Wow. Because uh, Bob is a Chiefs fan. Uh, can you tell us why that is? Well, I've been a long-time Chiefs fan. Yeah. It goes way back to when I was going to Azusa Pacific University and Christian Okoya was playing for APU. And I uh, saw him uh, speak at a chapel, and the dude is as big as a door. <laughs> a very large door. And so he was a superstar there, obviously, but then when he got picked up by the Chiefs, I started following the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs picked up Joe Montana, and they were good for about a, a season. And uh, it's been painful ever since <laughs> and, until oh. the past couple of years. Yeah. It's been super fun. And you do own a pretty sweet piece of memorabilia. Yes, I do. I have a signed Chiefs calf, cap from Alex Smith. It says, to Bob, all the best, Alex Smith. 
Wow. That's Look at him now with two broken legs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not two. One, but... Jake just out to ruin everyone's day. <laughs> and I, ha- I had a hard time letting go of Alex Smith, but but it's turned out really okay. Eh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this new guy, he's pretty good. He's pretty he's good. He slings the ball pretty good. If you hear him talk, though, he does sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> he sounds like a cartoon character. I've been told really, I, really funny. I sound like Kermit the Frog, so maybe that's... I'm trying to envision I love it. him even more. <laughs> so about the Power Rankers... Pow- what power the, rankings? The power Rangers. Uh, I wish this was <laughs> about the Power Rangers. Um, what team stands out to you the most? Being on the rankings. Yes. I feel like you want me to say the Bills. Because it, it should be the Bills. <laughs> I mean, ten is the end of the top third, but for the Buffalo Bills, it's still better than twenty six. Really, really no, bad. Twelve to twenty two teams. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, it's what they're doing this year is really impressive, and so they're what now. Nope. Was it four and one? Four and one, yes. So four and one, and their only loss is to the Patriots, and it was a close game to the Patriots. Um, that's I'm very impressed by them. Mm-hmm. I am secretly rooting for them. Is there any teams that you think should have been a top ten team but aren't? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I'm not. The Bears' offense is so bad, even though their defense is so good, that I'm not willing to put them up there. I'm not surprised that the Rams have dropped to ninth. Because we have, the fact that we're even that high still is crazy because we have not played, we've played one kind of good game. Even our first three wins were all just not good wins. Mm -hmm. And then we gave up 56 points to Jameis Winston, which is horrible. And then we barely, like, we should have beat Seattle. Like, we, Greg Zerline, I love you, Greg Zerline. You missed one kick, it's okay. We'll beat them when they come back down to, LA and it'll be fine but yeah I'm okay with it I mean Eagles sure 49ers are undefeated so you got to keep them up there but I don't know they're also playing pretty well I'm not super impressed they I I mean they don't look bad they don't look good I mean wait they do look good I I didn't mean (laughs) that I but they don't look bad and it's really hard for me to put the Saints this high still with Bridgewater like they still are winning I know they're four they're and one. They're still winning, winning games that them. they shouldn't be winning. He and won in Seattle, which is super impressive. Extremely, and also against Dallas. Yeah, but so I'm, also know. one thing is like he Drew Brees is throwing the ball again, so his return could happen sooner than we expected, which would be stellar for them. And it would definitely right now they're in a position where they can make the playoffs, and we did not expect that coming in with Teddy Bridgewater coming as their quarterback pretty much. Not at all. So, yeah, that was pretty impressive. So, the Chiefs are up there, too. They're really good. Their only loss this year to the Colts happened Sunday night, which was a really impressive game by the Colts. And Holding them to, what, 13 points? It was something like that, 19 to 13? I thought it was 17 to 13. Should probably have this information at the ready if we're going to you know, do this kind of thing. 19 to 13. I nailed it. I nailed it. Go me. I, I thought it was 17, but then I realized you probably... You can get 17. Never mind. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can get anything but one. Yeah, we'll go. We'll move on. How it's, do you get... It's hard to get the other things, but you can. Yeah. You can get two I, safeties to get to four. You get a safety and field goal. To get yeah, five, I was like, I don't know how you get to four, but... Some random combination of... I don't know that any team has ever had the score of four at any given moment. I'm sure it's had to have happened. We'll get our research department on it. So, back to the Chiefs-Colts game. 
Um, so Jake and I are big fans of Pat McAfee. He's a very entertaining individual in addition to being one of the best punters of all time. And he has phenomenal takes about things. And so he is kind of a homer when it comes to the Colts, and that's fine. Um, but after watching a bit the game, biased. A bit biased. After watching the game Sunday night, he was on Get Up on ESPN yesterday morning and had the following to say. Nobody's talking about the Colts until, bang, they make this big win over the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. And I honestly believe when I say this, I'm going to say it with a straight face. This camera, the Indianapolis Colts can win the Super Bowl this year. I am saying it. Lock it in. So that's a pretty heavy take. <laughs> For a not t- top 10 team. Where are they positioned? On? They are... Uh, 14th? Yeah, 14th. I mean, that's not a terrible place for them, though. It's not. I mean, they're 3-2. and two. They have the most impressive win of the year, I think, taking out Kansas City. Justin Houston looked like a beast beating up on his old team. I would yes. say, I didn't even that realize painful. that he went there. Yeah, I, yeah I, that was news to me. Um, <laughs> but I just... Super Bowl seems a little... Yeah. They got to beat... They would have to beat Kansas City again, probably in Kansas City. And they would have to beat the Patriots (laughs) in New England, probably. That's a lot to get through. And that's not even counting the Texans and Buffalo, who are also ranked above them. That's a big, it's a big step. And I'm not yet very super impressed with Jacoby Brissett. He's talented, but yeah, I'm not. Can we make Super Bowl predictions right now? I, I, we definitely have the ability to. I mean, are you comfortable doing that right now? Uh, you can start. Uh, Patriots versus the Saints. Oh, he didn't go with the Packers. I believe we'll lose in the NFC Championship game oh. because Drew Brees will throw probably 500 yards on us, and we don't have someone to finish, or we don't have someone really that would be able to, to keep up with Kamara. I'm gonna go Kansas City. Yay! I'm I'm gonna ride that train. And I I want to pick New Orleans just because they've had some rough <laughs> rough go of it in the playoffs the last couple seasons with how they've lost. Um, but uh, you know, for fun, 49ers. That Let's would be very interesting. Yeah, Chiefs 49ers. Okay. Both of Montana's teams facing against each other wow. in the Super Bowl. The spirit of Joe. Yeah, that'd be. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's already counting Joe Montana's days down. Yikes. Well, that's wise. Do you have a do you have a uh, Super Bowl? Chiefs and somebody. <laughs> well, for it. So, highlighting a couple other games. The Browns Niners last night. I didn't watch a minute of it cuz I was coaching and, you know, things happen. I sadly watched most of it because I tried running a movie halfway through but the card got declined. <laughs> so I couldn't watch a movie. <laughs> so I still have not seen Spider-Man. Um Oh, man. But from what I saw... I saw it four times. you want me to give you a detailed recap? No, I, I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, from sense. what I saw from this game is, sadly, the Browns aren't living up to what we thought they could be. Either that or the fact that Freddie Kitchens, I believe that's his name, it can't actually day. coach. Um, because like they have so many big players and like key names that could explode any minute, but they're just not. They have a great running back with Chubb, and they have two. They have a extremely good um, receiver core with two of the top six, in my opinion. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Callaway is very good. Who came back from suspension last night, but and dropped an open touchdown because he 
ha- I mean, he doesn't have experience right now, so that's part of the issue. And just Baker Mayfield isn't a bad quarterback. He just he isn't playing, and no one is showing up to help him necessarily right now. At one point in the game, he was 0-4, and Odo Beckham was 1-for-1 1 1 on passing. So what's a great stat? <laughs> so there's a stat called quarterback rating, which is a very confusing stat, but it takes into account completion percentage, yards per attempt, attempts per touchdown, and interceptions. Or not attempts. Yeah, attempts per touchdown. And so a perfect quarterback rating is 158.3. If you throw 30 passes and they're just all incomplete, you just throw 30 passes straight into the ground and they're all incomplete, that's a 39 quarterback rating, somewhere around there. It's in the 30s. At one point during last night's game, Baker Mayfield had a quarterback rating of 13. Mm. (laughs) He was worse than just throwing every pass incomplete. That's pretty rough. Um, on that note, a, a Baker Mayfield highlight that people are aware of is him running around and planting an Oklahoma flag. I forget where. I think OSU. Texas. Oh, it was Oklahoma State? Yeah, that's okay. why it was so big. That's, so that's like a major thing is this video of Baker Mayfield running around like a crazy person when he's in college and planting the Oklahoma flag against Oklahoma State. And so the only thing I saw from last night's game was after Nick Bosa made a tackle, I think a sack, he ran around. And pretended like he was waving a flag and pretended well, to plant it in the ground. <laughs> Nick Bosa was on that OSU team. Oh, okay. So Ohio State. Yes. Okay. I was like, Oklahoma the State. Ohio State. Yeah. So, so I just think that's hysterical. So he was on that I team just, when that happened, and that's why he did it. I just love that Nick Bosa was like, eat this, Baker. <laughs> that's great. And wasn't uh, that his first? I want to say that was like his first game back. Yeah. I don't know. Either that or it's his first game doing something important. (laughs) I don't know. He's a freak and he's great. I mean, yeah. Uh, I saw a thing where it includes them, so I'm going to go over it. It was a who would, like, what brothers would you pick to pick, or like, what team of brothers would you choose to, um, would you want in a full on death, like, two death battle? It was like the Watts, the Bozas, and the Grunks. And they also threw in the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> and for me, thinking no one's instantly, gonna take. I picked the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> but what's the other one's name? Nick, Kevin, and um, Joe. Yeah, no one's taking Kevin in that fight, right? You're, mean, you're only picking two of the brothers, so you're leaving Kevin out. Yeah. And you're going with Nick and Joe. Bob, you know what we're talking about? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really like, at first I was like, oh, you have to take the Watts. Because just I having JJ thought, alone yeah. is a win. But all of the Gronkowskis are massive. Like, they are all massive. One Rob is, is ginormous. Okay, but Chris is also huge and because he was like a fullback. He was. And there's two more of them and a dad that are all just massive <laughs> individuals. But I think I, I rank J.J. Watt the highest. Yeah, I would definitely go with the Watts so if I were to pick yeah, seriously. I'm, I'm doing that. All right, last football thing that we're going to go over, I think, right? And I don't know how much more you had. Uh, Panthers, Jaguars, just because, you know, we got to keep it close to your heart. Yeah, so what I like to call this right now is called the Minshew Minute. (laughs) And I have a stat that I found today. And the the only players in NFL history to throw at least 12,000 passing – nope. (laughs) 1,200 passing yards. 12,000 would be intense. Yeah. 1,200 passing yards and nine touchdowns with one or fewer interceptions through five games – are Patrick Mahomes and Gardner Minshew. Well, there you go. Hey. Bob called that without even knowing. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. 
So yeah, we're just gonna leave out the fact that Minshew had three fumbles. He still threw. I thought it was two. Three. He lost. He three still fumbles. threw at least three touchdowns. He. I mean, he still had a great and I'm game. pretty sure he stopped with, or I'm pretty sure he finished with three seventy five. And they had another chance to win. Like he was had the ball driving with a chance to win. That's when the last fumble happened. But we were sitting at the house watching the game, waiting for incredible magic Minshew to occur magic because to we're just expecting it. And unfortunately, this week it fell short. Uh-huh. But the other highlight from that game was Christian McCaffrey just running, running, running through everybody. Christian all the McCaffrey time. is arguably the best running back in the league right now. I I wouldn't even argue that as because much as I love Todd. I saw a stat where he has he has more scrimmage yards than. Todd Gurley and Zeke combined. Combined. They posted that on like Sports Center, like a Sports Center fact. And then Todd Gurley retweeted it and was like, leave us out of this. Let that, <laughs> let that man be a beast on his own. Yeah. And then he's so like, all cool. respect, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. That concludes the football segment of <laughs> the morning. Uh, real quick, baseball things. I haven't I... watched baseball since the Angels were eliminated. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> So I'll 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 carry the load this segment. Um, I am not like we talked about last episode. I'm not a Dodger fan, but I am kind of a Nationals fan. They're my second team that I root for um, because I have I've listened to a Washington podcast in the past, and so I just know way more about Washington sports than I should. But I love Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. I almost bought a Scherzer jersey this morning just because I love. It's kind of fun so to much. say Scherzer jersey. It, <laughs> is it? Uh, is it two colors like his eyes? I I wish. I mean, you could probably make that happen. So I was going to bring that up in case for those of you who don't know, Max Scherzer has heterochromia iridium. Did I memorize that? No, I did not. It's written right here. I had to look it up, but I knew it's when both of your eyes are different colors. If there was some a- people's. If there was a disease that I would ask for, it would be this one. Heterochromia. Iridium. I also don't know if it's a disease. I think it's more of a birth I, yeah, defect, question mark, because it's uh, not a defect. Disease and defect are both. They're, they're, it's it's a, an anomaly. It's I'd not go a anomaly. That's negative a thing. Word. It's just... Well, I, if you call it a disease or a cold. defect... I wouldn't mind two different colored eyes. So, in, in a lot of people, it's not, like, super apparent. Like, if it's brown and green or, like, those are kind of close. But his are like distinctly brown and distinctly light blue. Mm. And if you look straight into his eyes, it creeps the heck out of you. And so, Remember when he had the black eye? Yeah. And he hit himself in the face earlier this season. And so well, he, okay, he, he took a He fouled off. He bunt. was practicing bunting <laughs> in the batting cage. Fouled it off into his face. So he has a brown eye, a blue eye, and a black eye. And then he pitched. Two days later? Yeah. It was two I mean, days later. It, so he's it on the mound, your eye. staring hitters down with two different colored eyes and this massive black eye on his face. So he just looks terrifying. <laughs> so he just always kind of has that look. Kind of like one of those cats that has like multiple colors. Um, I forgot what that's <laughs> called. There, there's I, a name. Calico. I'm, sure. <laughs> and so... So with Scherzer, when he's on the mound too, he's just super intense all the time. He just looks intense. He stomps around. He's pacing. Like he wants the ball back so he can fire it up there again. So like last night, I was super stoked to have him just go up there against the Dodgers hitters. Scherzer always gives up a first inning home run all the time. So Justin Turner, first inning home run last night. So it's like, oh, here we go again. And then Scherzer was lights out the rest of the game until the seventh inning. He loaded the bases, but then he got out of it. And the Nationals won. So we got game five tomorrow night in L.A., and that's going to be Walker Bueller versus Steven Strasburg. And that's going to be really, really entertaining. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. <laughs> Go Dodgers. The Twins got knocked I'll out. I'll allow it, Bob. 
<laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, the Minnesota Twins, as impressive as they were this year, leading the league in home runs, I believe, um, they just can't win in the playoffs, and yep. they definitely can't win against the Yankees. They have now lost 13 straight postseason games to the Yankees, which is like, you can't even try to lose 13 games in a row without accidentally winning one, and that happened again. Um, so the Yankees sweep and move on. The Astros looked very dominant until last night. Yeah, they ran into a pretty good buzzsaw. 10 runs, I'm pretty sure? I think it was 10-4 to four was the final. Tampa Bay had a couple big hits early. Kevin Kiermeyer hit a home run, which he doesn't usually do. Mm-hmm. He's more of a defensive specialist, but I, I, don't, I imagine Houston's just going to win by like 15 runs today. They're going to be like, all right, get out of here. We nah. need to move on and get some rest. They're going to get knocked out. So Houston versus New York is going to be quite an entertaining series. They're going to get knocked out. It's going to be Rays, New York. I mean, we want that. We have friends who want that because uh, our man G-Man Choi, formerly of the Angels, hit, he hit a home run yesterday. That was exciting. Quick minute on hockey. Ducks are 2-0. Kings are 0-1. I haven't have watched hockey yet. I bit. forgot hockey started, by the way. Mr. Sports Equinox, you knew. You oh, knew that's <laughs> right. I did know when they started. Ha, ha, ha. Um, we always start slow. I'm not really concerned. Plus, our expectations this season are bottom of the barrel so you know as long as drew dowdy plays like drew dowdy i think we'll be fine the game we lost was like six to five though i didn't see it which that's not ideal that's a lot of points (laughs) so the ducks 2-0 playing detroit who is also 2-0 tonight so power of or (laughs) match of undefeated powerhouses um go detroit yeah you would (laughs) anyway so that's our hockey minute um last Last of the sports topics for this, I last night perusing the interwebs on Twitter, um, there was a post that came came up because Pat McAfee commented on it again. He gives us a lot of content, so shout Almost out to Pat McAfee. Go listen to his podcast. Um, there was a tweet sent out by a Penn State football player. His name's Antonio Shelton. He's a def- a senior defensive tackle. And he tweeted out a picture of a letter. He said, one of my teammates got this. Explain to me how this isn't racist. And I'm going to read the letter. Oh, that Good luck. That up. is very small. <laughs> yeah, I got this. No, I don't got this. No, I got to find it on Twitter. Jake, talk about something interesting. Um, <laughs> so him on the spot. There are a lot of very interesting things. <laughs> yes, there are. I'm going to try and pull something up as fast as I can. I think I'm going to win. Nope, I'm not going to win. This I, is happening faster. 100%, this is really bad radio. I 100% blame okay. him for this. I want I, you to yeah, know. This is, this is my fault. I thought I had this prepared. Oh, um, um, Jay Gruden got fired. And I found it. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, he deserved it. Washington's terrible. Yeah, but I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. It, um. No, he's terrible. No one wants to play for them. I mean, Miami Dolphins are still the worst team probably in history. Um, I mean, they <laughs> they play each other this week. I somebody has to win. Who's watching that? No, I hope they tie. I'm only watching that, that game. That happens. Okay, I found the letter. We so play on Monday. Back on it. Penn State football. Uh, one of the players receives this letter, and the the letterhead is all caps in blue and. It says, we are Penn State proud, but proud is like a line below and shifted to the right with seven exclamation points after it. So that's weird. 
Um, here's what the letter says. It says, Dear Jonathan, so it's directed towards a Penn State player named Jonathan. My wife and I are proud older graduates of Penn State. We follow all Penn State sports, football, wrestling, volleyball, gymnastics, basketball. We love it all. I played all the sports in my younger days, still played full court basketball into my 50s. Loved the competition, but never had the size or the talent to reach your level, though the desire was there. Though the athletes of today are certainly superior to those in my days, we miss the clean-cut young men and women from those days. Watching the Idaho game on TV, we couldn't help but notice your, well, awful hair. <laughs> Surely there must be mirrors in your locker room. Don't you have parents or a girlfriend who've told you those shoulder-length dreadlocks look disgusting and are certainly not attractive? We congratulate you on your game against Pitt, but you need to remember you represent all Penn Staters, both current and those alumni from years past. We would welcome the reappearance of dress code for athletes. You will certainly be playing on Sunday in the future, but we have stopped watching the NFL due to the disgusting tattoos, awful hair, and immature antics in the end zone. Players should act as though they've been there before. Again, all caps in blue, for the glory, signed Dave Peterson. Probably shouldn't have said his name. Oh, it's on the internet. It's fine. It's on, yeah, it's, I only have it because this happened. So... Pat McAfee's response says, nobody gives a single cut darn thing about what you think, Dave, and continues on from there. But I just love the phrase, cut darn. He doesn't actually say darn, but I don't know if we're allowing ourselves to say the other word. So we're just going to go with cut darn. And instantly... So, cut darn um, also kind of sounds like cat dog. <laughs> Long little world level of cat dog. Um, initial reactions to this fan alumni's... Letter. That is bad. It's not great. That... Definitely borderlines, if not crosses, the line of racism. <laughs> I just think he's a goober. Yeah, there is. So there was a lot of there's a lot of kickback on Twitter for that. Um, just like who? I don't. If my wife the, would let me, I'd wear dreads. But yeah, she <laughs> won't, so I won't. The just narcissism you have to have to. To be able to say, no, you should look and appear like I want you to look and appear. You should look like I think is acceptable to look. Like That's not great. If the team, yeah, everybody on the team, Penn State, the university itself put out a thing that says we support all of our players, like looking and dressing how they want, individualism, whatever. Like, Yeah, there's a line between what's appropriate, but hair is not... If he wants, to, if he wants to have pink spikes, no one's gonna care about that. Like whatever. I, it was just really frustrating to read that, and I love that McAfee was very quick to shut it down, and the rest of the internet was very quick to shut it down. And so, yeah, if you're a sports fan, don't be don't be like Dave. <laughs> you should never also send in a letter to someone like that. <laughs> Pat, the rest of Pat McAfee's tweet was. I assume this letter is from a Caucasian, and I'd like the world to know that a very large majority of us other Caucasians absolutely hate that this man exists as well. <laughs> Hate's a strong word, but I'm not going to disagree with that. It's just that, like, let the man be the man he wants to be. He's not doing anything harmful on the field. He's succeeding. I haven't watched any Penn State, so I don't know anything about it, but Dave went out of his way to talk about how good yeah, Jonathan he, is. Like, they, so let him be. Yeah, exactly. What Let if he's Samson? Be, what if you cut his hair and all of a sudden he's not securing a football field anymore and then he's terrible? And is that what way, you want for your Penn State football team, Dave? You in a way, your team to suffer kind of like, because you want Jonathan to cut his hair? Yeah. In a way, this is a, kind of like a, a bullying situation as well. Like they're going out of their way 
to put this kid down because he has his hair. Yeah. Like, it's just wrong. Give me a break, Dave. Well, moving on to to other (laughs) other things. Um, We have a guest, and we want to now focus on our guest. Um, You've heard Bob's fandom about Kansas City, and you've you know that he's a Dodgers fan based on his little cheer earlier. Go Dodgers. Um, Go Dodgers. We're going to let that slide. But Bob <laughs> is also an avid surfer. And Jake and I are not. Jake is allergic of water, basically. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> just don't like water. <laughs> yeah. Jake doesn't go out in the water. And I have, I'm, I'm too big. I didn't start early enough. And my center of gravity is very high. So if I try to ride anything board related, that doesn't go well for me. And so I just I just like wading in the water. I don't do all that. So because Bob is a longtime surfer and expert, we're going to bug him about his surfing escapades. And so I don't know. How did how did surfing become a thing for you? What age were you? How did that develop? So growing up, I grew up in Long Beach, California. And when I was in junior high, I uh, bought my first surfboard for 20 bucks, and it barely floated and uh, and kind of gave up for a while. And then I was in high school. I had uh, I gave it another attempt, but I had bad experiences with other surfers in Newport Beach. Just kind of got run out of the water. And so I gave up surfing and took up body surfing, started playing water polo, and mm. was in good swimming uh, condition, and uh, the bigger the wave, the better. Spent a lot of time at Newport Wedge. For those of you who know about the wedge, it can it can break 10 to 15 feet uh, in, in one foot of water. So it's a pretty terrifying wave, but we love the challenge. And then uh, later on, uh, I was a youth director in San Pedro and a a friend gave me a surfboard, so I took it up again, and and then when um, we have three three sons, three kids, when they began to to learn how to surf, then it became a family family event, and we moved to Hawaii for a couple years, and it was there that we really started surfing a lot. And uh, my kids learned how to compete. In fact, my, my oldest son competed against John John Florence, who is now one of the top surfers in the world. That's incredible. Yeah. I literally know two names in surfing, and that's one of them. And so to me, that goes, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, Zach is my son, and he, he did not beat John John. <laughs> um, and we knew watching John John, uh, he was just way better than than the rest of the field we knew this kid's special but anyway so so that's when we really started surfing a lot i also learned how to teach surfing while we were there because apparently when you move to hawaii all of a sudden you have a lot of friends that you didn't know were your friends that mm. want to come stay with you <laughs> and so that happened and they all want to learn how to surf so i had to figure out how to teach people so learn how to teach surfing, and, and so now that's one of my favorite things is to teach kids especially. And we have used uh, surfing as an outreach, gone to Dominican Republic several times, gone to Indonesia, 
and uh, I've got lots of stories. But one story I wanted to tell, and I forgot about this story until today. Yes. I was uh, at a coffee shop, and what's the other name for rock, paper, scissors? Rochambeau. Rochambeau. Yeah. So <laughs> um, two of the baristas were doing the Rochambeau uh, to decide who was going to who was gonna make the bagels. And as soon as they started doing that, that reminded me of uh, an adventure I got to go on. Uh, a friend of mine, I'll get back to the Rochambeau. Did the, the Rochambeau happen this morning? Uh, it happened at the coffee shop, but it reminded me of another time that I saw that. Oh, okay. So a friend of mine is a fisherman. He took me and two of my sons uh, on a boat and along with two of his friends, uh, and we went to surf off of San Clemente Island, which apparently you're not supposed to do that. So I can't. <laughs> Just stop. adds to the adventure. So, um, but every time, so my friend who is a dentist uh, had two friends of his that were also dentists, identical twin brothers, and their names were James and John. No yes. lie. And. Anytime there was a big decision, who was gonna who was gonna get the the uh, zodiac boat ready, they would row shampoo. Nice. And so okay, so that reminded me of this story. So <laughs> we're out there, and for those of you who who surf, if you've ever had this experience where you take a boat to your surf location, it's completely different because you're you're approaching the wave from the back of the wave. And so all you see is is the the swell, and you kind of have to guess where uh, where it's going to break. And so we're we're approaching where we think there's going to be uh, a reef, and but we don't really know until we get into the zodiac and go through the the kelp beds and actually see the wave coming. And so so it's all kind of a matter of faith. Uh, I know one of the things you guys like to talk about is, is faith, but we, um, so we parked the boat, get in the Zodiac, Rochambeau, to figure out who's going to to get it ready, and uh, either James or John won. And these guys are big wave surfers, so they've got big, what, uh, a big wave surfboard is called a gun, and it's significantly longer, and it's shaped for big waves, and my sons had short boards, and I had a, a nine-foot long board. Not ideal for really big waves, but that's what we had. And so we, we go through the kelp bed, and, and we paddle our, our boards over to where we think it's going to start breaking. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And all of a sudden, uh, this, this swell comes, and these these waves they're as big as houses start coming and because we came from from the boat not from the shore we didn't know what the bottom of of the uh, ocean was like mm. are there rocks is it sand uh, is there reef is it safe <laughs> um, so we're just guessing and go to take off on these waves and uh, as you're about to drop in you're just you're just looking down the face of a 10-foot wall and at at the bottom of it the water is boiling over and that tells you there's probably a rock there 
And so we'd start to paddle, and then we'd say, no, 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 you go, you go, you go, and uh, pull out. And this happened over and over until finally we get the, the courage and just, well, we've, we've sailed all the way out here. I'm going for it. You drop into this, this massive wall of water, and uh, the fastest wave I've ever been on, and terrifying but exhilarating at the same time, and then pull out right before you think where there's a, a rock, and, um, and then just yelling, yelling, yelling for, uh, uh, you know, everybody else is super excited, stoked is the surf term, super stoked for you. And I remember my youngest son catching a wave, and uh, I'm terrified for him, but also just really excited. And he he pulls out and just a huge grin on his face, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so we make it out of there, and then James and John, <laughs> it's fun to say that, they... <laughs> They just they're catching wave after wave, getting getting in these huge barrels, and um, just the time of our life. And we're the only ones out there, and um, we're not supposed to be there. So this may or may not have happened. I can't you know confirm <laughs> that. Uh, we get back in the boat, and we're um, we're just exhausted but exhilarated at the same time. And and as we're underway. And you have to come back by Catalina Island on your way back. And we look out, and there is a pod of orcas, mm. and uh, which are killer whales, which is exciting until the thought occurred, you know, we've been in the water <laughs> where these guys are, and we're dressed up like seals. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that was that was a little, you know. But it was like National Geographic, just being out there, and, and it was awesome. But um, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to, to travel to, to crazy places and surf waves, and it, in almost every situation, it's because I said yes to, to following Jesus, that uh, we wanted to, to work with kids that... Uh, that were at-risk kids in Dominican Republic, mm. and I only went there because uh, it was a it was a group of um, believers that that wanted to make a difference in these kids' lives. And um, same thing with with Indonesia. Um, I don't know. I could go on and on and on with with lots of stories, but um, that's my questions were going to be more like technical at that point because you're talking about. Like the idea between a longboard versus a shortboard. I don't know why that's important. It feels like a shortboard, you'd have more control. Why is a longboard more ideal for a bigger wave? Um, well, usually a shortboard is, is a lot more fun with uh, turns and maneuverability. I would say that's like what they do tricks with is like a yeah. shortboard. Catching air, yeah. Um, longboard, there's there's a lot of different types of longboards. My longboard was just kind of an all-around fun, fun board. But um, the gun um, is built, f it's, it's thicker, it's got a, a long, narrow nose that um, tends to, to um, not, not dig in on a, on a large wave. You want to just make, this, make the drop 
and then uh, be able to to have enough speed to stay in front of the the wall of whitewater and uh, a gun will do that uh, but there's guys who uh, the best surfers in the world they're they're surfing huge waves on shortboards so they kind of can do it all yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> what does it mean for a wave to be fast? Just like it literally is just crashing faster than yeah. other waves? Are? Yeah, just the, the the push, the speed of the water. Uh, if um, In the case of San Clemente Island, especially um, in the case of the Hawaiian Islands, you've got the swell that's moving across the face of the ocean uh, in deep water, there's nothing slowing it down. Mm -hmm. So then when all of a sudden it, it meets a reef or sand, it, um, it's got a lot more power, a lot more speed. And uh, in, in Hawaii especially, you know, the, the wind conditions are, are more ideal. The wind is offshore usually. And uh, so that means the wind is, is hitting the face of the wave so that it holds the, the face up longer, so that when the wave does break, that's when it, it uh, creates the, the tube, the barrel. Um, and um, for surfers, that's, that's the ultimate, is if you can get inside of a barrel. And, mm. and I have, and uh, it's, um, if, if you can make it, it's, I, I can't even describe what what it feels like you're you're inside this this tube of water so it's going over your head you can look up and see the water going over and in front of you it's like a tunnel and in front of you you can see the sun and you you uh, if you make it out then um, the wave crashes down behind you and you're in front of it and you're still going um, but there's a point where you uh, you have to decide <laughs> if it, if this is going to be worth it because usually what happens if it's a it's a wall in front of you and it's it's about to pitch over and so you duck down and you're either going to make it in the barrel or it's going to hit you in the head and you're going to wipe out <laughs> and uh, it could be disastrous mm -hmm. so that's how that's how i feel playing a mario kart 64 <laughs> on toad's turnpike <laughs> when you're making a turn and the big rig is right there and you got to fit in between the big rig or the rail because if you hit the rail you're going to bounce back into the big rig and then you're going to blow up and then you lose your lead that's literally all i was thinking about while <laughs> I, I can't believe that, is that that fitting, is what he got fitting from into this. that small space <laughs> and just how tense that moment is because you could lose if you're in the big rig that's awesome I can't believe that's, that's where my got mind from goes. This. Except that, um, if if you get taken out, you're gonna you're gonna get raked across a razor sharp reef. And significantly yeah, that, worse. That's <laughs> oh, I agree. This, this, this is, my mind is skewed that way. I don't do that. Yeah. You've brought up Hawaii a few times. Yep. Um, I have a few questions about that. Um, how long did you spend in Hawaii, and like what years kind of did you do that? What years? It was around around two thousand. No, it was later than that. Right around there, two years. Okay. And I was on staff at a uh, at a church doing music, primarily. But that church of two hundred people was starting other churches. Mm -hmm. um, one Chinese speaking church, one Palauan speaking church, and then 
uh, one English speaking church on the other side of the island. And um, yeah, it was one adventure after another. We lived in, we called it the Tropical Barrio. It's a pretty rough uh, neighborhood. There's a lot of really rough neighborhoods. A lot of people don't know this about Hawaii, but mm-hmm. once you once you get out of the touristy areas, it can be pretty, it can be pretty rough. They've got what their fair shares of ghettos. Yeah. So what does that what does that look like? What do you mean rough? Like if you could describe a Hawaiian. So uh, Rio. Yeah. Rough. Like uh, if you look at Rio, like how they're like buildings on top Rio, of each other. Rio what? And like Rio de Janeiro. Okay. How many <laughs> times have I been to Brazil? You have a phone and can look at pictures. Um, <laughs> I got so Bob in, here to explain it to me. So in, in Hawaii, on, on Oahu, there's been a lot of methamphetamine abuse, mm. ice, and yeah, it's ice. really destroyed a lot of families, a lot of culture, and uh, it's very addictive. And so in our neighborhood, uh, we lived uh, right right on the border of a, of a, a park and a, uh, a natural spring. Was this an intentional location that you sought out and went, or you just happened to I be just happened there? to be there, okay. yeah. It was, uh, we lived on the same, same property as, as a church, and that's where it was, is. Right across the street from Liliha Bakery, world famous Liliha Bakery. If you ever go, go to Liliha Bakery. On Oahu. I'm pretty sure I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's shown up even on Hawaii Five-O. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know you made it. Yeah, so across, uh, right next to the park, there was a, a drug house, and um, it was really a, a blight on the neighborhood. And so, while we were there, we did a lot of outreach in that park. Mm. Um, the local church really, really owned, owned, took ownership of the neighborhood. Did a lot of, lot of cleanup. Um, we would do movies in the park, things to, to reach out to the neighborhood. We did a, a Easter egg hunt um, where we anticipated 100 kids and 200 showed up. Oh, wow. We ran cool. out of Easter eggs, That's and uh, you don't want to do that. We, we had uh, some locals give us some serious stink eye, and so uh, the next year we we got plenty eggs. But um, Never want Hawaiian stink eye. No, no. Uh, that's something I was yeah. going to bring up. But um, um, so we had a great time. So you only lived there for two years. Yeah. Okay. So I I was gonna bring up because my brother lives out there and he's known as Big Wave Dave, and um he is pretty well known on like the North Shore kind of area as a surfboard glasser. I'm okay. Sure. So he like he like glasses the surfboards and makes them so like that. So I was wondering if you ever ran into him, but if it was I only never for two ran years. into Big Wave Dave. That's a shame. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because he lives out there and he tells me stories about stuff like that all the time. Um. Another question I was going to ask is, you were surfing out there still, right? Yeah. Did you ever get run out and stuff like that because you aren't Hawaiian? Yeah. Yeah, because sure. he he had to make a name for himself before he was allowed to surf at this spot that he wanted to surf. Talking about much. Dave. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he he's very white. He has red hair. Like he yeah. he does not look the part of a Hawaiian, but he's been living there for I think like thirteen years now. The Explain. local term is Howley. Literally means ha'ole, which means without breath. It's it's a derogatory term. Mm. Let's just say. <laughs> Explain the idea of getting run out. Run out. So there's there's places where you go to paddle out, and and uh, locals will will just yell at you. I, I won't say here what <laughs> what they say, 
But it's very clear you are not welcome. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, if you take off on a wave, they will just take off right in front of you, and it's just like you're not even there. And uh, if you get upset about it, then all of a sudden you've got a, a confrontation not only with one person but with a group of locals. You don't want to do that. They are big people. <laughs> yes. Um, so good story. Uh, we we surfed a lot right there in Waikiki because on a um, a good summer swell, it's world class wave. I like Waikiki. Some people say it's the the birthplace of of surfing. Mm-hmm. It used to just be the Royal Hawaiians uh, would surf there, and then people like Duke Kahanamoku opened it up for for others to surf. But there was this one guy out there, and I'll go ahead and and name him because we became friends. His name was Kaeo. And uh, he and uh, a couple of his friends um, <laughs> would shout at at tourists. To I won't say exactly what he said, but um, man, Hawaii sounds rough. Uh, yeah, it's it, a lot of it can be and repeating language and so uh, intimidating as heck. So um, a lot of times when uh, when you uh, paddle into a wave if if somebody else is out there going for the same wave you ask hey which way are you going brah uh which way are you going and if they're if they say right then you go left and so i said to kl which way are you going and he says both ways brah <laughs> <laughs> so okay That's, he must be pretty talented he he, he is and <laughs> so this went on for a long time we we were there for um two or three months and uh, i would just avoid him until um, and, and he saw though that we we treated people with respect and um, my sons were respectful to the locals and we kind of just waited and took our took our turn you know and then one day we were out and it, and the waves were good and Kaeo was out there and and uh, a wave was coming and I just assume he's gonna go both ways <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he looks at me he says go bra go paddle. And I'm like, okay, okay. I, I wasn't even gonna take it, but I, and uh, and then from then on, he and I became friends, and I got to know him and uh, his life. And uh, and when we moved back to California, we were down at uh, Dana Point one day, and uh, Doheny State Beach is a it's a fun spot. A lot of people learn how to surf there. And I look out, and there's Kaeo. In my neighborhood, <laughs> and so I didn't say anything. I just paddled up and I said, "Hey, bro, you cannot surf here." <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and he bob and he laughed and uh, it was great fun. He and his friends got a gig teaching surf lessons out here, mm-hmm. and uh, so so that was fun. So a lot of a lot of stories like that, mm-hmm. but um, just. Just like any sport anywhere, if you treat people with respect and uh, you don't react uh, with anger when anger comes, uh, good things good things happen. And so that's what we experience. Yeah, I got a few more questions about your time in Hawaii. Um, one, where are who was your favorite shrimp truck? Because I know how <laughs> important that is. It's deep in the woods now. You know, we didn't didn't have a shrimp truck experience oh man you're missing out they have (laughs) 
hundreds of trucks that are just like shrimp and fresh shrimp and oh man now it's now more on the north shore where they have like a whole bunch and i was gonna say it sounds like more holly eva holly eva i was gonna bring up too holly eva is probably my favorite place i've ever been to yeah i need to go to hawaii more i have no idea what's going on oh it's amazing um holly eva is an incredible wave that's where my my brother worked out of holly eva at a shark boat Okay. And so that's where he is right now. Oh, well, he doesn't live there. He lives on the east side. I forgot the name of the place he lives at. Um, and his wife works at Turtle Bay. Um, so, like, they're all around. Um, I was also going to ask, have you ever surfed Pipeline? And would you ever consider it? I have not. And no, I would not. <laughs> For a couple reasons. Uh, mostly, you, you can't just decide on it oh it's saturday and it's good at pipeline i'm gonna i'm gonna paddle out and catch a wave because there's guys that that um that won't let you <laughs> catch a wave you gotta earn your your mm-hmm. your way in especially when it's good uh there's guys that have been surfing there for years and there's only so many waves and so they're not gonna just let yeah i don't care how good you are um they're not gonna let you just just paddle in and, and surf and um so there's plenty of other places mm. that um that are close to pipeline that you can surf when it's really good it's a iconic place like i even just it went is. there yeah. and just watching the waves crash there and you're just like this is insane yeah and like the waves there are like some of the best i've ever seen i'm like wow this is incredible and just everything about like Hawaiian surf, that is pretty much like where you emit, like that's where you imagine is pipeline and just, oh man. Yep. Yep. Has, have you exhausted your Hawaii question? Um, <laughs> no. I mean, yes. I don't have any more right now. All right. We're going to, we're going to backtrack a little. So you mentioned playing water polo. Yes. That was during your high school days. Yes. So we're going to we're going to go back to the high school days okay. because I've heard your testimony and it's amazing and I want the people to know. So where did you go to high school and where were you at in life and yeah. how did you Went to Milliken, go Rams. Things. My brother and sister went to Milliken, my dad went to Polly, mom went to Wilson, so we're long time. Long Beach family. I'll be USD. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, so I I knew how to swim and uh, thought I was just signing up for swim class and it turned out to be the swim team and uh, uh, I fought against the idea of having to wear a speedo. <laughs> that's a rough that's a rough transition. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yes, don't mock another man till you swim a mile in his speedo. No. <laughs> 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 Not something I plan on doing. <laughs> so, uh, I was definitely not a believer, uh, not a follower of Jesus. And and actually, the first time I went to Hawaii was with my water polo team. And uh, we went out for a week on Oahu tournaments. We lost every game. Hmm. Uh, we didn't take our starting. Uh, me and one other guy were the only seniors that went. The rest were younger and and we were just there to, to party and goof off. And I got in a fight with local Hawaiians over pot. And that's all I want to say about that story. But it was a terrible experience. And I came home really disillusioned. 
because I had all these thoughts that Hawaii was going to be paradise, and and uh, it was a rough week. So that happened, and, and several things. I was 17. Several things just happened all in a row that uh, that really kind of took took the rug out from underneath me. And um, so on my 18th birthday, uh, two friends, they were two of our best players. Um, one was all CIF, one was all American. And um, they, uh, something was different about these two guys. Um, and I'd watched them over a three year period and um, we would be going to party and literally show up at this one guy's house and try and drag him out of bed to go with us. And, uh, and he wouldn't go and uh, we just didn't get it because he was a fun guy. Um, that's why we wanted him with us, but um, something was different about these guys. And uh, and so so one day on a Friday, they said, "Hey, we're going to a, a concert tomorrow night. Uh, it's a really great band. You wanna do you wanna go?" And I'm like, "Sure, I like hanging out with you guys." And they said, "Okay, good. You're driving." <laughs> so, okay, so we drive all the way out to Costa Mesa, and uh, that's all they told me. It was a good band, good music. You're going to like it. And while we're driving out there, my friend says to me, he starts asking me about my relationship with, with Jesus. And uh, I'm like, why do you even want to talk about this? Um, we're going to a concert. But um, I respected him, and and uh, I had grown up in the church, but I really had avoided God, avoided making any kind of commitment to, to following Jesus. And... Um, so I, I just kind of hem and hawed, yeah, yeah, you know, I go to church and stuff. <laughs> and so we pull up to where the concert is going to be, and it's at this big church. And I'm like, I don't get it. What? Because my experience up to then was good music and church don't go hand in hand. And um, so, but... Then I began to notice uh, everybody in the, the crowd in line, they just really had a good time with each other. They're playing checkers and just just laughing and goofing off. Uh, and I'd never experienced that at church where people <laughs> wanted to be there and were having fun. What a novel in idea yeah. to enjoy each other's company. Exactly. And so I'm like, wow, this is this is different. And... So we go in, and uh, this this band starts playing, and they were incredible, and uh, the music was good, and then this pastor stands up, and his hair was longer than mine, and my hair was pretty long. <laughs> uh, he starts talking about Jesus in a in a way that that I had not experienced, that uh, just the the love of God and the presence of God uh, was, I don't know how to ex- describe it other than. You could just feel his presence. It was thick. And you hadn't had that experience before in any way. No, I had not. And um, (laughs) so they gave an opportunity at the end. If anybody wants to to be a follower of Jesus, come on, come on forward. We want to pray with you. We're going to, we're going to give you a Bible and and help you get started. And out of, I don't know, 2000 people there, I was the first one up. I was, I mean, I, I just ran to the front. It was so easy to uh, to give my life to the Lord for a couple reasons. One was I had kind of exhausted 
um, <laughs> my other options, uh, friends that I thought were friends uh, weren't, and uh, pot had let me down, and uh, family, family was really uh, tumultuous, and uh, so to be around uh, these people who, who genuinely cared about each other, and then to be in the presence of God, uh, it was just... Um, there were no barriers for me at that point. And so that's when I started following following Jesus. And uh, there's been time I was going to say I've not never looked back, but there have been times when I've looked back and I've wandered. But the Lord is faithful, and he just keeps bringing me back and bringing me back. And uh, that's what I want to do now is uh, serve and surf, <laughs> those two things. <laughs> so what's been like knowing what your life was like before and knowing what it's been like since how like what why do you believe in God like what what is it about God for you that has completely changed your life that is so obvious that this is truth like how do you Bob know that God is real and active in your life well I don't always I don't always feel his presence um, there's plenty of times when I do, and I need to, I need times when I actually feel His presence. When I when I talk to Him, uh, I have um, a morning thing that I do. I, I get up um, early as I can and and uh, enjoy hot coffee. And uh, I've got scripture that I read uh, and uh, a journal. And I'll write out my prayers. And then something I've found helpful lately is I'll write out my prayer to the Lord and then I'll wait and I'll, I'll get a sense if there's something that he wants to say back to me and I'll write that down. And so it's an interaction. It's a give and take, my prayer time with the Lord. And um, sometimes he speaks to me uh, more clearly in the scripture uh, and sometimes it's it's in the midst of prayer. I feel like he's speaking to me. Um, oftentimes it's it's with other um, other believers. We get together and to to talk to the Lord and just talk to each other. And and um, it's in those times where he he really speaks to me. Um, one of the things we've been doing recently is. Uh, uh, spend about 45 minutes praying for the nations on a Sunday morning. Me and Pete and whoever else wants to come to Bob's office, Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, little there's, little promotional. There's a really cool map sitting on the wall behind me that, I mean, talk about that real quick. Yeah, and so what we're doing is we're praying for, we've got a lot of friends all over the world that are uh, wanting to, to live out their faith in some pretty difficult places. And so we, we spend time praying for them, and we, we ask the Lord, hey, would you direct our thoughts and, and how to pray? And then uh, we find ourselves all over the world, and then back in Long Beach, um, praying for people that we hadn't thought of at all. And I feel like the Lord brings those people to mind because we've asked him to. Um, so those are some of the ways that, that I, I've been experiencing God and I have a question about Hawaii. You, 
No. Back to what? <laughs> um, you you go on mission trips. How, like, how, you've gone on many mission trips, correct? Many, yes. Um, where are some of the locations that you've been to that are very noteworthy to you? So Dominican Republic several times um, on the South Shore and the North Shore. Uh, Haiti uh, two or three times to Haiti. Um, to Indonesia was the longest. We spent uh, three weeks mm. in Indonesia. One one week of that was actually on a boat. And we would go from island to island. Uh, and each of us had an extra suitcase. There were 40 of us. Went with a, a group that's uh, based out of Hawaii. And um, they've gone to Indonesia probably 20 years, same places, uh, same shop owners. They just go back to the, the same people um, year after year, just sharing, sharing the love of Jesus. Um, um, lot of time in Mexico, Mexicali Valley, uh, a lot of youth groups we've taken over spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are the those are the the places I'm remembering. On the on the overseas ones, is that through certain organizations, or is that like how how are those organized set up? What yeah. So to the Dominican Republic, and um, I've gone to Mexico with these folks. International Youth Initiative. Shout out to Keith King. He's a local pastor here in Long Beach, but also he runs International Youth Initiative, um, and uh, we've done surf camps together with, with Keith. Um, Indonesia uh, was with Surfing the Nations, and they're, they're based out of uh, Wahiwa, Oahu, mm. Hawaii. Um, great, great group. Um, but they, they have five or six countries at least, that they they go to um, throughout the year, and uh, highly recommend um, them, especially for uh, for surfing. IYI International Youth Initiative does a lot of um, outreach uh, with baseball in the Dominican Republic. Um, in the Dominican, baseball is king. Mm-hmm. You go to other uh, Latin American countries, and soccer is everywhere. In the Dominican, uh, baseball is everywhere. We uh, were driving to a, a beach location, and we we came around this corner in right in the middle of this neighborhood, and and these kids were playing baseball. Their bat was a two by four, and the ball <laughs> was a doll's head. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> whatever it took for them to play baseball. So stick ball, man. Yeah. So uh, they've had a lot of success. Um, uh, just a lot of lot of good character building um, camps, uh, sports camps. Um, yeah, so that's I that's who I've gone with. And then here, right here at home, we we do a lot of uh, surf lessons for for families that are connected with our school, especially, but just friends uh, find out about it and and want to learn. So we're always available. Just uh, hit me up. We'll, we'll go surf. Another shout out to our amazing school. If you have a preschool or elementary student, that oh, Santos needs a Grace. great place to be. That's right. We got some amazing people here. Yep. So you've also 
in your lifetime. Spent some time as a youth pastor. Yes. And Jake and I are both in that field at the moment. What was that experience like? <laughs> what was it like getting into it? As yeah. you like reflect on it, what were the great moments? What yeah. were some of the not so great I moments? I got into it on accident. I was not <laughs> perfect. I was, yeah, I was not planning <laughs> on being a youth director at all. I, who am I to lead a Bible study or? But I went uh, to volunteer at a church in in rural Arizona, the White Mountains of Arizona. I was gonna help out with their building project, and uh, next thing I knew, I was given a list of kids to call and uh, invite to a Bible study, and I was terrified to cold call people. Um, this, is, this is before like texting was a really big, you yeah, had to yeah. actually make a phone call. Yeah, I had and to talk actually to talk to somebody <laughs> on the other end. So that was terrifying. And then I told the pastor, okay, uh, I called these, these kids, 12 of them said they're, they're coming. Um, who's teaching the Bible study? And he looked at me and he said, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. And, and so my first Bible study was on Philippians chapter two. I had like four pages of notes and uh, we're all sitting in a circle in the church basement and I'm, I'm reading my notes and I would look up once in a while and nobody had left. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to the end and I looked at the pastor and I said, okay, can you take it from here? <laughs> and he rolled his eyes and that was my first experience at, at being a youth director. But what happened, uh, I really started to care about these kids. And uh, I was only 19 or maybe 20. Myself, been a Christian for two years, but I was hungry to, to, to know the Lord, to know his word. And that was my first experience of uh, learning how to care about other people. And uh, I just grew to, to love them and love uh, being around youth culture and wanted to, to learn more. So when I... After uh, I was I was there for a year, not not quite a year, and then I came back and decided to go to Bible school so that I could um, you actually know, know what you were talking exactly. about. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, so that's what I did, and uh, that that opened the door to uh, another church in Norwalk that was looking for a, a youth director, and uh, so youth director in, in Norwalk for four or five years, and then. Um, San Pedro for for a lot of years, and um, and then went, uh, got more into uh, church planting. Um, but I've come back um, just over and over back into youth ministry in some form or another. I love helping you guys out, hanging out with with kids, helping out with camp, and. Um, why, why do you think that desire is in you? Like, what is so important about youth ministry that you feel called to that so frequently? It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to be around people that, youth especially, uh, fun is a high priority, and I think it's something that gets lost on adults a lot of times, is forget how to have fun. Start to take uh, life, take, take ourselves too seriously. And so I feel like being around youth um, brings that out in me, too, a reminder to uh, to have fun. I definitely do not feel 33 most days. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a good or bad thing. I feel 33 sometimes. 
I definitely <laughs> don't feel 33. <laughs> <laughs> um, a question that always, for me, because I love talking about the people that have really influenced me, who are a couple people who have had a major influence on you in your life, whether they're yeah. believers and influencing your faith or just yeah. life in general? The first was uh, a youth sponsor when I was growing up. I was in junior high, and I was uh, I would go to camp because there was girls at camp. Um, and uh, this no purpling. This uh, s- sponsor, his name was Pete. I don't even remember his last name. I remember that he worked at a sporting goods store, and uh, I didn't really connect or like the youth director at the church I was at. I felt like it was all about the rules. But Pete, I really liked. And um, we, were at <laughs> we were at a youth camp, and um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it's a good story. <laughs> so I was up in Big Bear, and me and my friend, instead of going to the meetings, we were, we were out uh, skateboarding. We were bombing a hill in Big Bear. And uh, we look up, and uh, Pete comes walking out of the woods, and we're like, oh, no, we're busted. And uh, he says, give me the skateboard, handed him the skateboard, and he jumps on it, and he bombs the hill. <laughs> and we looked at each other, like, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so then he came back up to us, and he said, I know you guys want to have fun, but I really need you to go to the meeting. We're like, hey, uh, whatever you want, Pete. We'll, we'll do <laughs> Instant <laughs> and, power and authority. And so even though I was not yet a believer, he had a, a big impact on my life that this is what life could be like. I could be like Pete. And then uh, when I did become a believer, uh, the pastor that I mentioned earlier that, that, that made me a youth director when I didn't want to be a youth director, uh, Joe Johnson, uh, has, he's, he's like a father to me, but he's not old enough to be my, my dad. <laughs> Shout out to you, Joe. Ready <laughs> <laughs> to go, Joe. But uh, he is still a, a huge uh, influence in my life. That was a lot, of, a lot of years ago, but we still have dinner together about once a month. And uh, he, uh, you know, a lot of people. I could, I could have the bracelet WWJD, mm-hmm. but what would Joe do? Because <laughs> Joe would do what Jesus would do. So, and does. Um, so, so. For sure, when I get asked that question, I always come back to, to Pastor Joe. That's I love hearing people's stories like that, like the people that affect our lives the most, even if it's even if it's just like singular moments to be able to look back at singular moments and go, man, that shaped me. Or if it's somebody that you've had a relationship with for years and years and years, like having people in our lives who are influencing us that we can remember, that we can tell stories about, that we can get to share with other people like it's incredible. I love it. (laughs) Uh, my one other topic that i thought about as we were sitting here is jake and i are we we are not married we do not have significant others um and we also do not have children and (laughs) you have both of those things bob so just in my wonderings what is the coolest thing about being a husband and what is the coolest thing about being a father Coolest thing about being a husband is I get to live with my best friend, um, 
commit. Uh, I, I remember the feeling I had at our wedding, um, just realizing that this person, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess the, the sec- security is, is not a good enough word, but just deep down knowing this person is, is promising to spend their life with me. Mm. And, and the, the weight of that, but the freedom of that, um, uh, you can't, I mean, where else are you going to find that? Yeah. That this person is committed to me no matter what for the rest of my life. Um, so, and we love to have fun together. How long have you guys been married? 30, <laughs> 35 years? No. We were, we were married in 1986. 33 years. Sorry, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> 33 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have three sons. Uh, oldest ter- is is 30 today. Mm. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Zach. Um, and, uh, yeah, all three of my sons, they're completely different personalities, but um, they're super interesting guys, hard workers, compassionate. Um, and uh, we've been through a lot together, haven't we, guys? Uh, and uh, through all the, the painful times, um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, just the joy that uh, they bring. And I'm going to get choked up if I keep talking about them, so <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, just love them, love them to pieces, though. They're, and they all live uh, close by. They all surf. Ben is teaching me how to fish. So they're all watermen. Yeah. That is awesome. Yep. I love that. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I was put on the spot. Um, well, just, do you have anything else that you would like to ask? I feel like I've asked Well, I was just going to um, ask him about if he had any stories that he would like to share about his mission trips or anything like that. <laughs> like of Indonesia. A near-death experience. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Or it did, felt like that at the time. The time you did not die. Yeah, so we were on a boat, and we were going from island to island. These, these are small islands off of uh, near Bali, and um, our um, what we would normally do is is we, we had suitcases filled with um, clothes, hygiene kits, toys, and uh, some of the suitcases had uh, uh, like gospel tracks, but they were uh, comic book form because uh, illiteracy is high in some of the places we were going. So, and so we would we would come ashore and we would look for the elder of the village and we would ask permission. Is it okay for us to give these things away? It was in the middle of Ramadan, um, very Muslim island. Um, I didn't know this, but um, in in Ramadan. Um, Muslims will will fast in the day and and eat in the evening. Well, um, some some who are extreme will will not even swallow their own saliva. So we come ashore and we see these women and they they're spitting a lot. And we're thinking, is that a sign of disrespect towards us? No, it was just that they were that religious, um, and um, wow. so we. 
we went to uh, to find the elder of the village, and you know, there's 20 of us. <laughs> Actually, there's 40 total, but but oh, no. two two groups of 20, and the other the other boat of 20 was at a different island. But so there's 20 of us, and it's like a parade. And so by the time we get to the elder of the village, we've we've got this we've got 100 kids following us, and um, it's pretty obvious we have arrived, and. Um, so we we go to the elder of the the village. You know our our group is playing with kids and and I look up and I see these these three men and uh, they are giving us the stink eye. They've got their arms crossed and they are looking at us. And uh, so so I walked up and, and introduced myself and they're asking what we're doing there and and uh, you know we're we're trying to say well we've got some gifts for you. And it turns out two are plainclothes police officers and one is the imam of the mosque. And he says to me, looks at me and he says, are you Christians? And I said, yes, but we have Abraham in common and even the prophet Jesus. And he's just shaking his head, no. (laughs) He's not going for it. And he says, if you're tourists, you can stay on our island. If you're Christians, you need to leave now. And <laughs> so I turned to our group, said, okay, you guys, we're wrapping up. We need to leave right now. Man. Why? No, now. And uh, so while that's going on, the director of the team walks up to the, the one man in charge, and he shakes his hand, and he says, I understand. He says, uh, if you want, we can, we can leave uh, these clothes with you. And um, and we'll leave, and they kind of huddle up, and after a short time, they they come back and they say, "No, leave now." And so the director he shakes the man's hand and he says, "I understand. I'll see you next year." And I'm thinking, "You're not going to see me next year." <laughs> <laughs> they clearly don't want it. Um, but that's that was their approach to. Uh, to ministry was we just want to be available. We're not going to um, push any agenda. Discouraging, though, because we had come a long way. Yeah. yeah. The very next day, so we, we got back on our boat. We're underway for a day and a night. The very next day, we go to another island. We come ashore, and the director of the village, his name is Ismail, he knows two words in English. We, we come to his, his little hut, four sticks and a, a roof and sort of walls. And he says, come, sit. <laughs> and uh, he was just so open to us being there. And uh, we, we offered him, we had uh, a Bible in his language. And he needed uh, reader glasses to, to read. So we handed him the Bible, handed him glasses and he gets this big grin on his face. And he's so appreciative. And so if it's okay for him, it's okay for his whole village. And so these are neighbor islands, same, same time, one day later. One is completely closed to us being there, and the other was welcoming us into his own home. And uh, I came away from, from that just... 
changed just realizing you know God is in control and his timing and whether it's a whole village or a nation or a person you can't rush if they're not ready they're not ready but when they are somebody needs to be there mm-hmm. to to give them good news so that's us we get to go that's Pretty powerful yeah. message for us to think about. Well, as as you can all tell, Bob has stories for days. Um, so if you want to hear more, <laughs> find Bob, contact him, take him out to lunch or something. He likes having meals with people. Where and should I, they take you, Bob? And I'd like to listen to your stories yeah. as much as I <laughs> no. tell my stories. Yeah. Holy moly is the place of preference. Yeah. It is good. I do I do enjoy a good holy moly experience. Um, well, thanks for being with us, Bob. Thanks it for having me. It was a pleasure. It was incredible and fun, and hopefully people were able to learn something. <laughs> hopefully a lot. So, again, we are we're looking for sponsors. If you want to send some money our way, you know, we'll take it. Just get in contact with us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at... From Bob's office, F-R-O-M-B-O-B-S-O-F-F-I-C-E. And now you know Bob, so it's it's a personal connection now. There's not just some floating who's Bob. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's not the tomato. No, this is Bob. <laughs> this is Bob. So yeah, find us. We'll get it up on a podcast thing here somewhere or on YouTube. The last one is on YouTube. Find that on YouTube from Bob's office. It's like the first thing that pops up. I mean, if they found this one, they probably found the other one. Yeah. You know, stay in touch. We got... We got that Gmail account too. You want to send an email or comment on stuff, send some messages, let us know if there's topics you want us to cover or if you want to be a guest. You know, we're, Our guest list is wide and expansive. So uh, today's Tuesday. I think the next recording happens sometime next week. We'll, we'll keep you posted on social media. But thanks for tuning in. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jake. Adios and aloha.